0: Hey everyone, for this installment of Find Your Film, we have Eric Holmes interviewing two filmmakers. They're the co-directing team of this new documentary called Odd Hours, No Pay, Cool Hat. Very memorable title, Odd Hours, No Pay, Cool Hat. And the th- I, I think the thing that's really disconcerting is the whole idea about no pay because I know what that's all about. It's it's very hard making money these days, at least in, in uh, when you're a podcaster, especially... Not just a podcaster, but in this case, can you make money if you are a volunteer firefighter? So this movie, I'm looking at the this documentary, it's, quote, inspired by an original story by Peter Yoakum and takes audiences behind the lines of America's volunteer fire service community. It's a tribute to the nearly 700,000 volunteer firefighters around the country, and it spotlights their selfless bravery, compassion, motivation, and unfaltering sense of community. Now, truth to tell, I have not seen this documentary. I know Eric Holmes gave it a very good review on a couple of weeks ago on cinematics. It's currently out now on digital platforms. So you can actually go to their website and find, I believe Vimeo is one of the platforms it's available on. So go to their website, check out a couple of their platforms which it's available and if you're interested in seeing several lives of these volunteer firefighters and seeing the hard work they do in respective fashion, check it out. Maybe this documentary will spur you on to actually check out Odd Hours, No Pay, Cool Hat. Now, find your film. It's weird because I've been trying to unlock this. Bruce, Perky, and Eric Holmes and I, we do the Cinematics Podcast every week. We spotlight the new movies that are coming out on a given week. Sometimes we'll do a couple of recommendations. Bruce has his what's-in-the-box pick. This is all for the Cinematics universe. A lot of it is current. And like most of my life... A lot of these movies are assigned to us or assigned to me and, and Eric, especially because we have to do the interviews. So a lot of the movies I cover on a given week are pretty much new movies, movies that are coming out that are assigned to us for interviews. Now for the find your film feed. Yes, this is an interview, but what's great is at the end, Eric will ask questions about what to put in the box, the Bruce Perky's What's in the Box segment for cinematics. So, and if you guys don't know what that is, it's a segment where people, filmmakers, actors, members of our Cinematics Facebook community will suggest movies for Bruce to put in his box. It's a literal box and he'll write it down on a scrap of paper. Every episode of Cinematics at the end, he'll pick a, a movie from the box. And whatever that movie that is, he'll review it the following week. So that's really cool. It's a rotating, rotating segment on, well, it's not just rotating. It's, it's a rotating selection every week, but it's a weekly segment on cinematics. And what's cool about that is it, like Bruce said last week on the episode on cinematics, it forces him to watch movies that otherwise he wouldn't get to. And for me, I real I rarely do that. I rarely participate in the What's in the Box segment with Eric and Bruce. But what's cool is I think for this find your film feed, this will get me to start doing that myself as well. Because on this end, on this end, we have the interview right now with these filmmakers, Odd Hours, No Pay, Cool Hat. That's the front, front and front center, center stage movie documentary we're spotlighting for this installment. But at the tail end, you guys hopefully will have several other movies along with this movie to possibly check out. So these are the movies that We're going to check out or maybe if some good movie selections, movie recommendations for you. So first off, odd hours, no pay, cool hat. Again, the interview is coming up. That's the first recommendation from Eric Holmes. He gave it a good review. And obviously the directors love their own film. So listen to that interview and make your decision whether or not to get it. Now, let's see. There's the filmmaker, Gary Matoso. He actually, his recommendation, his movie recommendation, is The Sparks Brothers, a documentary on, yes, The Sparks Brothers, directed by Edgar Wright. I believe it might be streaming somewhere. I'll put links, I'll put Just Watch links for these movies to, for you guys to check out these movies. So the second recommendation is The Sparks Brothers, that documentary, and that's from Gary Matoso. Cameron Zuhuri recommended this documentary. I remember when it came out, it got a lot of heat. For about maybe several weeks. And then I, I don't know, maybe just died down or maybe I just did not pay attention to it. It's a documentary called All That Breathes. So these are three recommendations for you to have. So odd hours, no pay, cool hat. Second one is the Sparks Brothers. Third one is All That Breathes. I have a fourth one given to me by Joseph Bridges from our Cinematics Facebook group community. If you are into Facebook or Meta or whatever they call it, or you just want to be part of a community that gives daily movie recommendations, highly recommend joining our group. Not just because it promotes cinematics and find your film in the podcast, none of that stuff. Okay. That's, that was why we created the group. But I think the best thing about our cinematics Facebook group is we have some really great participants who recommend movies for other people to see. So it's a great value added. Facebook group and it's they're not like me. They're not trying to sell you things. They're they're not glad handing people. They're just giving pure recommendations. So our fourth recommendation for this installment is a movie called I'm looking it up right now, I believe it's called The Hidden Room. I'm going down. This director's name is Edward Dimitrick and he's a filmmaker that I really love. And I'm gonna get into him down down the line. I'm gonna talk about him on find your on this find your film feed a lot more. But first of all, this is a recommendation. It's not cry. Oh yes, the hidden room. It's released in 1949. It's a- currently available on Tubi, if you want to check it out. And I believe it was it's available on YouTube as well. You know, YouTube has all these movies that you can actually stream for free. I don't know how you feel about that, but sometimes I'll do that. Sometimes I, I will do that if it- if it's available on YouTube, I'll check it out. But a lot of times, I'll either pay for it or, or if it's not on my streaming service, I just won't. I learned from Eric Holmes. Sometimes he won't watch a movie on YouTube if it's maybe pirated or it's maybe there might be a suspect way it's out on YouTube and those people who made the movie aren't getting there. Anyways, it's a whole rigamarole. But the hidden room is available on Tubi and it's directed by Edward Dimitrick, and it's got some really good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I believe it's high in the high eighties, eighty percent from the audience. And it's a film noir from 1949. So I'll put all of those four movie recommendations for Find Your Film at the bottom of our show notes. And yeah, I'm, hopefully that'll give you some movies to watch. If you have any movie recommendations that you would like to give us as well, please email me at info at And I will read out some of these recommendations on the next podcast episode. I'm trying to build a more, a bigger community, uh, not just cinematics, but just a different kind of community where, yes, cinematics is part and Find Your Film are sort of one and the same in many ways, but Find Your Film, hopefully I'm going to start building up a real archive base of people, different people recommending movies, and maybe this, whether you're going through the podcast or our website, findyourfilms.com, you, will, you you can use the website or the podcast feed to find movies, hidden gems that you might not have come across. The reason why I put The Hidden Room, which sounds really weird, because I did not do these interviews with the filmmakers. Eric Holmes did. I This was just something that really struck my fancy, because I love movies from the 40s and 50s, especially if they're film noirs. And Cinematics Facebook group member Joseph Bridges recommended it, on, and he posted it, I think, early last night. And that, when the name Edward Dimitri came up, I my eyes just really uh, yeah got they got three times bigger because I have one of his books. It's on filmmaking. Eventually, I'm going, going to read that. And Dimitri has done some really interesting films: Rain Tree County, Crossfire. One of my favorites from Gregory Peck called Mirage. So I'll, I'll give you guys an update on what how I feel about the Hidden Room. If you have seen the Sparks Brothers, if you see All That Breathes, or you check out. Odd hours, no pay, cool hat. Would love to hear your thoughts on any of these kind of movies or whatever movies. You can hit me up on the emails or join us on the group and just so we can talk on a daily basis. All right. Take care, guys. So anyways, that's a long intro. I apologize for that. Here is Eric Holmes's interview with filmmakers Gary Matoso and Cameron Zahuri for odd hours, no pay, cool hat. Again, check out the website and screening information and uh, TVOD information. And I'm blabbing. Here's the interview. Bye guys.
1: I'm here with the directors of Odd Hours, No Pay, Cool Hat, Gary Matoso and Cameron Zahuri. This is basically a documentary about uh volunteer fire volunteer firefighters. And you guys worked with uh, John Deere, which is uh strange from my point of view because I, I didn't know that John Deere made movies, but this is uh this kind of uh very informative documentary. What guy what got you guys into this?
2: Uh, actually, it started with our executive producer, uh, a guy named Peter Yokum, who was, um, just kind of recently retired and traveling around the country and just kind of looking for, I think just looking for positive stories to tell and, uh, became deeply interested in the volunteer fire service and, uh, through those travels and you know, spoke to a lot of chiefs and, um, uh and other and firefighters did a lot of interviews and uh just became convinced that it was a story uh that was important to tell that people didn't really weren't aware of the role of the volunteer fire service in the country the the volunteer fire the many departments around the country need support in terms of recruitment and um and just you know and funding um so peter you know uh, had this you know idea that there should be a film or something that that goes out there to to big to raise that awareness and then uh, he contacted us to help uh put some shape to it and and make make the film.
1: And one of the things I like that you guys captured in this is the uh the training process because I I watch a lot of action movies. So it's like uh you got sixty seconds click you didn't do it. You'll never be a firefighter. But that's not how these people operate. They're like, "Hey, look, you didn't make it in sixty seconds. We're gonna do it till you do, and it's gonna be fine." And I love how uh, supportive everyone is. Probably because, like you said, that uh, they need they need the help and they need uh, to encourage people as much as they as much as they can. Did you get a lot of that from? Uh, I, I assume you got a lot of that from everyone that uh, you were filming.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think. The thing with volunteer firefighters versus paid firefighters is they have to do all the same stuff. It's all, you know, the fire doesn't care, as they told us, whether it's a volunteer firefighter or a paid firefighter. When it shows up, the fire does the same thing. So the training, you know, it's equivalent whether they're volunteer, whether they're paid. Um, and there's a lot of it. You know, it's there, there's a lot that you have to learn. It's not just fires. It's rescue. It's, you know, EMS. It's all kinds of emergencies that happen, you know, disaster response. And just like little problems, they they describe themselves as problem solvers all the time um, because you never know what someone's going to call 911 for. So so there was certainly, you know, there's there's a lot you have to learn to be a firefighter, but there's also lots of different roles for different people to play. And that was something they always emphasized to us in talking to to firefighters was anyone can do this. Anyone can be a part of it. Yes, there are those, you know, the training you have to go through if you're going to be that firefighter going in and fighting the fire. But there's all these support roles that they need help with. There's all kinds of you know, IT supports needed. They need PR. They need you know fundraising. They need people who are good at logistics. So there's really there are roles for everyone. Even if you're not going to be that that person who learns how to put on the suit in under a minute and you know grab the hose and go into the burning building.
1: Yeah, that that was actually illustrated really well with uh, Yitzi's character. He had the uh, he had the beard that he couldn't shave, and it's like well. You know what? Maybe we can use it in other places. I I I love the you know kind of like you say, the problem solving. It's like, look, you can't do this because it's not safe because the you know the the mask won't the mask won't seal. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you don't have value. And I think that's a theme that um kind of permeates
2: throughout the entire documentary.
1: Yeah, Yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great story, and we like we also. Think that story is representative of just um, you know, with with fire departments that are struggling around the country, um, to really um, in terms of their recruitment, to look around at their communities and kind of see who's out there and who who wants to be a firefighter. I mean, Yitzi wanted to be a firefighter in the worst way. Problem was he just he there were some barriers for him to be able to do that. But you know, I think that department saw the opportunity of reaching out to that community. And, you know, changing some of their bylaws in order to make that happen and, um, you know, make him and the rest of the city community kind of welcome at that department. And I think, you know, that can carry over to lots of different kinds of different types of communities and different departments around the country where they, you know, if they're struggling, they can they can kind of look to, um, you know, who's out there in the community who who is probably ready and would love to participate. They just kind of need to feel like there's a spot for them. And I think there's a spot for everybody in the volunteer fire service.
1: Uh, what what were some uh, challenges you guys had cuz i i see this is like your first your first feature uh Gary you did a lumieres video and Cameron you did a short which by the way uh maybe then uh point us to the short and the video so uh, we can watch those but uh uh you guys don't have an extensive imdb credit but you kind of you kind of nailed it on this one uh, as a <laughs> first time out um had like what were some of the challenges doing this? And also, what's kind of uh, your background? Because I'm assuming the IMDb credits doesn't encompass all of what you've done so far.
3: Sure, yeah. Yeah, we have uh, a background. So we've been working together for about eight years or so. And we do a lot of short-form storytelling, documentary-based storytelling, but often for clients in a more commercial setting. Um, but it's always with that you know documentary mindset and documentary storytelling at the core of it. Uh, Gary has a long history as a photojournalist, did that for years before starting to do this work. I did, as you said, a, a short and some other, you know, short form documentary storytelling. That's more of my background. Um, but this was our first feature. And so there was a certainly a lot to learn along the way. The scale of it was something that we had never done before. Um, and and that really started with the stories and finding the stories. I mean, when we first got our heads around what is the volunteer fire service we put out a call for stories and uh, our casting director Louise Collette really kind of led the charge on that um, and got back like 800 submissions of stories in a couple weeks of just, you know, across the country, all sorts of different people, all sorts of different stories and situations. So the scale of it was something that we had to kind of wrap our heads around and figure out how do we, you know 90 minutes is a lot of time compared to some of the other projects we'd worked on before but it's really not a lot of time when you're talking about you know the scope of of these stories and the variety that was out there and so that's when we had to kind of sit down and think about how do how many stories are we going to tell how are we going to weave these together how do we show the diverse range of stories um but also tell a coherent story that you know people will be engaged by and surprised by and 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 compelled by so So that was yeah, it was it was certainly a challenge, but uh, but it was a lot of fun too.
1: Yeah. Um. Also, uh, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, so it was uh, it was good seeing Eastern Nebraska (laughs) represented in here. Excellent. Uh, Where are you guys from? Are are you from that area, or uh, like you said, that was just one of the places it called out.
2: That was yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say it was a bit, we're based uh we're based out of the Seattle area. Okay. my uh, cam's originally from North Carolina and various places and uh I from the Bay Area originally um myself. So yeah. So Nebraska was a fun that was a fun story to do. And that really kicked off a big run of stories that we shot kind of back to back to back. And uh but it was a um that was a that was a fun one.
1: Yeah. How how much time did it take to shoot this? Like because usually documentaries can go anywhere from like you know, a couple of months you get the story, get in and get out. And you can have documentaries take nearly a decade just because yeah. there's so much story
2: and you're following around people for so sure. long. Hey, how, how, long did, how
1: long did this take?
2: Yeah, this was a pretty tight production, you know, given the, just the whole nature of the project. We know we need to had a schedule and we wanted to 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 keep things, you know, on budget and um, you know, just keep the production tight. So I think it was I don't know, you know the exact number of days of shooting cam? I mean it was probably around 35 40 shooting days spread out yeah. over two like three months. three months yeah i'd say a three month period of shooting yeah so it was pretty pretty contained so we spent about four days in most of the locations i would say um the the washington state uh training academy story which is keeps is you know revisited throughout the film that's something we kind of kept going back to over time you know when we could get there to get that so um so yeah it was I think we were happy in terms of the you know going back to your original question about shooting feature, our first feature, you know, on the production side, you know, again, we have kind of the experience of organizing productions and, and, you know, it really wasn't that much different as you start thinking about them as individual stories. And so I felt like that part of it was, uh, might've been maybe the easier part of the thing, but I think it was the post-production and just, you know, you know, 300 hours of footage and just making it make all, you know, make it sense was, was probably the bigger challenge.
1: Also, like, uh, I'm, I'm guessing you guys didn't have much pushback as far as the like, the, were there any barriers for you guys as far as like, oh, you can't shoot this, you can shoot this or that or uh, the the documentary doesn't seem like that kind of documentary where people would be guarded in a way that they would be if it was like, oh, we're doing a documentary about drug addiction. Well, you know, it's a little too personal. Don't come in like that. But uh, was there any sort of uh, like you guys couldn't go into certain areas or you had to stay back and. Other times, or anything like
3: that, uh, very little, very little, I'd say across the board um, people were you know generally very happy to share their stories and and you know it's a vulnerable thing for the individual firefighters to do that to let us into their homes often and and share their stories, but they were I think happy that we were making the film they saw they knew what the impact goals were of the film they knew that they were contributing to something that you know, was for the benefit of the volunteer fire service at the end of the day, and and was sharing stories that really haven't been told. And I think that there was, uh, you know, just a sense of enthusiasm around that from pretty much everywhere we went. Um, in the case of the Muncie story that you're mentioning, I mean, that one took a little extra care because that ultra orthodox community has, you know, has had a lot of different depictions over the years. Um, you know, some more positive, some less positive, and so that was one where we, you know, took it really slow, made sure that we were talking to the right people that everyone understood why we were there and what the goals of the project were. So we did have to, you know, take it a little slower with that one um, and make sure we were uh, approaching it thoughtfully. Uh, But at the end of the day, everyone was, was, you know, very helpful um, and supportive and, and firefighters are, you know, some of the best subjects to work with because they're just so resourceful and adaptable and, you know, they get things done. (laughs) They, um, they, they were, you know, some of the best subjects that we've worked with, I think.
1: Yeah. And they're, they're like pretty much, I mean, my personal opinion, anyone in government, they're, uh, they're the ones that are the most altruistic because they're only there to help. Whereas like, you know, military and, and police and like they you know, there's uh, politicians a thousand percent, like, You know, they but they all get paid, you know, the firefighters, the ones that help, you know, even when they're not fighting fires or helping dig animals out of swimming pools, stuff like that. Like there's just how can you say a bad thing about a
2: firefighter? You can't. They're just they're they're the best of us, I I think. So it is. That's just a great way to put it. And we kind of talk about them as being extreme volunteers that, you know, a lot of people volunteer their time. And that's great. And I think any kind of volunteerism is, is awesome. But these people their commitment, uh, that they put into this in terms of their time, just, you know, for being available for calls, you know, the training, you know, the cam was talking about before is, is, is really extensive what they have to go through. Um, and then, you know, they're putting themselves in dangerous situations and traumatic situations, you know, that they've got to deal with and, um, you know, all of that for, you know, really little or no, no money, you know, most of the time. Um, and it's true, you know, they, they, I think they believe that as well. I think they think we're doing this because it's the right thing to do and um you know and I think they're you know yeah they're 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 amazing group of people.
3: Yeah, I wonder your, oh sorry I was ahead. just going to say to your point about the like it's sort of the, the the least controversial group of people in a way, right? That that we all kind of you know when you call 911 when there's an emergency happening, a fire or you know a grandparent who's fallen or something like that like all you care about in that moment is that there's someone there to help you and and that was i think one of the amazing things with this project was how you know politics never came into it people's backgrounds whatever it was it, it is such a unifying thing it's a uni- it's it's a need that we all have that all these communities need and it was kind of amazing to be traveling to so many different parts of the country and and hearing that same message and you know there's none of the divisiveness around this topic that you can find you know, so easily on just about every other other topic these days. So it was really, you know, that was another goal of the film, I think, was just to share again, you know, it's 700,000 people who are involved in the volunteer fire service. It's a huge, a huge chunk of our country who are doing this so selflessly. And it's important to, we think it's important to share those stories that can, you know, bring people together too.
1: Yeah. As much as I I think it's important to pay people to, to, is a way to show value and so they can live. And so they can do their job. I, I wonder sometimes if like a volunteer, um, maybe, maybe brings out the, the, the people that want to do it the most, for example, like if you're doing art and you're not getting paid for it, you're doing it because you love it. You know, yet a great example, not getting paid to be a firefighter. He just really wants to, he's really passionate about it. He really wants to do it. So, Hell, you know, bring them on in. Whereas like if if it's a high paying job, you're gonna get, you know, people are gonna see dollar signs that might not have that same passion that Yitzi does.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think there's plenty of career firefighters who are super passionate about what they do and you know we oh, met for a sure. lot yeah. throughout our whole our whole process. And um, but that said, I think you're right. The fact that these volunteers are, like I say, they're they're committing so much of their time and their their lives into this that there's just another level of Commitment and passion and um you know um purpose, I think, for a lot
3: of them that they they get out of it, yeah, yeah, and was a different different range of of people and skills I think that come to it too, you know I think that and, yeah. and creativity and solving these problems like that was something that some of the volunteers mentioned was just you know, sure it'd be great to be paid for this, but in a lot of cases in smaller communities, when they do have a paid department, it's not as nearby. They're getting, you know, basic services. They get they they do the job, they get it done. But you're not having necessarily that, you know, homegrown community that understands the community and is taking care of it and knows what the needs are, is able to, you know, in the case of the cows and swimming pools. Right. Like they realized that was something their community needed. And so they figured out how to solve that problem and how to become experts of that. And that's something that I think volunteers are also really Proud of is how they are, you know. They're part of that community that they're helping, and they they respond directly to the needs because it's people they know and it's the community that they know.
2: Yeah, I, one last thing I'd add to that too is that you know a lot of people look for you know, we, one of the things we want to focus on were the different motivations people had for joining the volunteer fire service, and you know for some people it is a path to a career and it's an opportunity to get free training and to learn, see if they if it's something that they have aptitude for, if they you know if they can handle seeing blood or dealing with traumatic situations so um I think lots of people do it for for different reasons I mean usually it comes from a, a sense of service and you know and helping helping your neighbor but sometimes it's family tradition you know my father was a firefighter my grandfather was a firefighter um there's all kinds of reasons people joined the, the volunteer fire service and um, so that was another theme that or you know a variety of themes we wanted to come through the film like mm-hmm why people do this
1: what what are some uh what are some things you maybe learned while uh, making this documentary or um what are some things that you shot that was like you know that just we can't it's it's a cool story but it doesn't really fit in what we're doing with the documentary is there anything that kind of made its way on the cutting room floor or maybe something that just didn't get shot at all that you just kind of came across while
3: making this I mean, there are so many, uh so many stories, yeah, that we that we didn't shoot. I mean, I think as an example of one that uh was just a great story with one of our our the the featured firefighters of the the Hernandez family in Beeville, uh Jaime, who's the you know, that is that multi-generational story, whereas Jaime who started as a, as a firefighter and his sons are doing it, his grandson's interested in it, his wife's involved. But there's actually a, a, a pretty incredible story where he had within the last couple of years, a Mayday call where he almost didn't make it out of a fire. Uh the, the floor collapsed beneath him and and he was stuck. And actually it was his son and another firefighter were the ones who were there and were able to pull him out um and 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 save his life essentially in that moment, which was, you know, obviously again huge just in that sense of the family bonds and what it means to to kind of work with your family in a way like that. And and the stakes of these things, you know, there's people putting their lives on the line for their neighbors, for strangers, whoever it is. So that was a pretty incredible story, but we just didn't, we didn't have the visuals to tell it. There wasn't his, uh, of course, his helmet cam didn't work <laughs> that day. He, he got the helmet cam working right after they pulled him out. I think. <laughs> So there wasn't any footage of it and there wasn't uh, you know, we didn't feel like we were able to tell it in a way that would have been uh, impactful. And there were so many other parts of that story we wanted to focus on. But it was constantly things like that. Um, the training story, you know, again, we revisited it several times. But there were so many just fun situations and interesting things they had to go through that that we weren't able to include. It yeah,
1: suppose I suppose the uh, helmet cam, especially going into the fire, would probably be mostly black anyway with all the smoke. I imagine <laughs> what was that? Oh, I'd say with the the helmet cam uh, going oh, into yeah, a fire would be it would just <laughs> yeah. be a black screen. So. It's put up a black screen and oh, yeah there you go yeah good, fake
2: fake yeah
1: <laughs> so uh but uh, do you guys have anything else on the cuz i i really enjoyed this and uh, look forward to more stuff that you guys do do you have anything else on the horizon or in the pipe i i guess with the the writer strike and the the actor strike uh that's kind of tough to do but uh do you
2: guys got anything coming up in the future i you know i think we've just been focusing so hard on getting this film done and getting it out to the world that's kind of been our you know um that's been our main focus. You know, we've got a couple other doc projects that are been in development. They are the longer term ones that you were talking about yeah. earlier that we've been working on for years and we'll probably be revisiting those. But I mean, I do think that this has been an amazing experience and yeah, we're looking forward to the next, whatever the next project is for sure.
1: Well, um, I, I did mention earlier that uh, uh, Gary, you did the Lumiere's video and Cameron, you did a short. Um,
3: can you tell us where we can find those? Uh, Cause I, I would definitely like to check those out. Yeah. So, so our website is uh, story is dot com, vignette creative is the company. So if you go to that website, you can find a lot of our other work there. Some of those older, older pieces, shorts, and different things that have, that we've done. Um, and then for this film, odd hours, com, uh, we'll get you all the information on upcoming screenings. Uh, they're doing hundreds of community based screenings across the country, uh, with fire departments in local communities to help with recruitment. So those are all have actively ongoing now. Um, and then also on social media, uh, it's odd hours film for, for all of the film updates. All
1: right. And also, I guess, what's the difference between, um, cause you would think a documentary short would be easier because it's shorter, but I, I'm from my perspective, I think it'd be harder because you have, you have so much story that maybe you want to tell, but you got like five, 10, 15 minutes, however long it is. Whereas uh feature length, you got more room to breathe. You got more story to tell. What what are some of the difference between and some of the challenges of doing a short as opposed to a uh,
3: feature length? Cam, Cam always says shorter is harder. Shorter is harder. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong <laughs> about that. Like in general, as a rule, shorter is harder. If you've got a given story and you have to give it, get it down to a specific length or, you know, a certain range, like that's, you know it it takes longer to make short things sometimes. Um, but I would say having done this feature now, that you know it's there are different different stories are suited to different lengths. And that's what we're kind of always trying to do is just pay attention to the story at hand and not force it to be a certain length, but kind of see we weren't sure at the beginning of this project whether this would be more in that short form category or it would be a feature. But it became clear because of, as we said, just the diversity of things we were finding that we really wanted to do this at a, at a feature length. Um, but the challenge of a feature length is that, you know, you have to create a narrative arc and create some momentum that carries people through the whole film and, and keeps their attention for 90 minutes. It's a lot easier, you know, at 20 or 30 minutes to 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 do one thing and do it well and tell a simple story in a short way. And 90 minutes, you know, there's a lot more uh, just structural things to think about and what's the emotional arc of the film. So that was certainly something we were learning a lot about as we were, especially in the editing phase of this project, figuring out, you know, how do we, how do we weave all these things together in a way where you keep people's attention and keep their interest and have those twists and turns that we experienced and, you know, include those, those moments in a way that feels seamless and, and keeps people's attention throughout.
1: Yeah. And Gary, we kind of breezed by it, but uh, you used to be a photojournalist. But um, what, what can you say about that? Like, uh, do you work for like a, a newspaper or magazine or that, 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 how did that work?
2: Yeah, no, I worked for an agency that was called Contact Press, still is caused Contact Press Images. I was uh, based out of Paris at the time and then kind of traveled all over the world from there. That was where I was based at. But yeah, that was kind of where I kind of cut my teeth in terms of just, you know, I had done a lot of photography before that. But in terms of learning how to tell stories and structure stories and, you know, just create, you know, Work with people and you know, get them to trust you. And, you know, everything that we kind of use today was we're working on this project or other projects that we work on. You know, that was really kind of my formative, uh, years. And I think, you know, there's an aesthetic for at least for me and for photojournalism kind of aesthetic in terms of, um, uh, that's, that's, that's photographic. And I guess it translates to cinemograph, uh, cinematic, you know, um, that's, I think, been a big part of our just general style and, um, approach the way that we shoot things so even though we're doing motion i think there's a kind of a photographic sense to our quality to the work that we do you know and i think we were pretty happy with the way this film you know ended sure. up looking as well and,
1: and we and we literally just talked about feature length versus
2: short you got the shortest of them all you get one frame to tell the story well sometimes you know like cam said it's, it's all what's the best way to tell the story and honestly sometimes it is a single image it can be more powerful than a you know than a video clip and i do think you know like if i forget my little soapbox i do think photography is kind of undervalued in our world today there's just so much of it um that you know and and, and unfortunately you know there aren't the magazines out there to kind of support photojournalism the way that you know it used to be you know magazines would run a 10 picture photo story you know and that just doesn't happen anymore which is just too bad because i think it's it is a great way to tell a story
1: yeah did do you have any uh uh photos that you took that you're particularly proud of like i really capture that that thing
2: right there I, any uh any ones that kind of stand out for you uh well no no pull up or prize winning shots i mean I, yeah i don't i um i don't have one that comes to mind um because they're all great. I got gotcha. you. Because they're all great. Exactly. I can <laughs> yeah. say you
1: can't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. But I love photography. Yeah. All
1: right. Well. Um. So my co-host. I, I guess we'll just end on this. My co-host Bruce had. We have a what's in the box segment, and in the box we have people we like to put movies in the box. Uh, movies that are underseen. Uh, maybe something. Uh, it's act, actually some people put it in movies that a lot of people seen, but it's just really personal to them. Um, but that you think uh, more people should talk about and you would like more people to see. Uh, do each of you have a movie you would like to put in that box for us the to box. watch at a later date.
2: Besides odd hours. <laughs> oh
1: yeah. Odd hours. No people hats, <laughs> automatic, but yeah. but we're, we're talking about like a movie. Uh, usually it's like a man. I really love this movie and no
3: one talks about it. It's so good. I wish more people would watch it. I've got I've got another doc actually that uh, in some ways shares some themes with ours and that's about people volunteers uh, stepping up but it's it's a doc that came out I think last year it did get some attention but I think more people need to see it called All That Breathes and it's about these two brothers in uh, New Delhi India and they you know their day job is they like they run a, a soap dispenser manufacturing facility but in their off time in the like the room right next door. They take care of all these injured birds, these black kite birds that are, you know, injured in polluted skies and, you know, all kinds of things in New Delhi. So they've taken care of hundreds and thousands of birds over the years um, and and formed a nonprofit around that. And it's just, you know, a really there's a beautiful like environmental message to it, but it's also just like a gorgeous, gorgeous film that I think more people should see. And of course, I'm
2: blanking out except uh I did watch a film on the plane ride back from New York We're just in New York for the theatrical first theatrical showings of the film and it was it's called the sparks brothers and it's a it's a music documentary about um i don't know if you've seen that do you seen that eric
1: i i didn't see the i didn't see the uh uh documentary but i i saw their movie they did with uh oh the the
2: directors but yeah, yeah. I'm anyway, I'm, very, I'm, very, I'm
1: very aware of the Sparks Brothers. I love. Yeah,
2: them. and I, mean, I knew the band, you know them musically, but I didn't really know their whole story. And it's just a fascinating story. It's incredibly inspirational from like an artistic and creative point of view. Um, I just actually shared with my daughter the other day, and you know, who knows music pretty well, and she was just blown away. It's just not a band that people have a deep. It's part of the, the film is most people don't know that much about this band, and um, and they've been incredibly influential. And like I say, it's just from a creative artist artistic perspective a very very inspirational film so the spark yeah, brothers
1: yeah they're they're a real fun band they're, they're like one of those like the um there's certain bands or certain people that's like uh not many people know them but the ones that do really love them like you know that, <laughs> that, that sort of thing yeah But uh, Gary, Cameron, uh, again, really enjoyed this documentary and congratulations on it. Uh, You guys did a great job. And thanks for joining me. And I hope to talk to you again down the road whenever you get that next uh, epic documentary that you're working on. I'll let you know. Yeah. Thank
2: Thank you you very much for your time and interest.
1: Yeah. All right. Thank you much. You guys have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.